Hi, my name's Kane Marshall. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Bounty Oil and Gas NL. We're listed on the Australian Stock Exchange with pretty much the best code I think uh, you could have for an investor, B-U-Y, I. Uh, we are a junior oil and gas company focused on uh, Australian exploration development activities onshore and offshore with a predominant focus in the current commodity prices to hunt down big elephant oil discoveries. Good to see you, Kang. Um, we've not met or spoken before. I'm, I'm eager to hear this story. Um, ASX uh, listed oil and gas company. Um, can we just kick off and just uh, work out who you are? I mean, what, what's your background and story? Uh, well, I'm actually a, originally a geologist and I've got a background in, um, in commerce investment, corporate finance. And I've also been uh, a reservoir and petroleum engineer. So I've worked, you know, the majors. Uh, here in Australia, I've worked uh, private equity-backed uh, E&P companies in London. In fact, it's probably where I started my career. One of the first uh, private equity-backed companies, Highland Energy, uh, was bought out by um, RWE, big utility, back in the day. Uh, and then I've moved progressively through uh, major sort of op- uh, companies and then independents, consultants, and now juniors. So that's my background. I've been on the board of a couple of uh, juniors here, so Hawkley Oil and Gas, which is uh, relisting next month, and I was also managing director of Key Petroleum, which was another Australian-focused junior, uh, predominantly focused onshore. And were they successful? Uh, Well, Key's built a pretty good portfolio of uh, Cuba Basin and Perth Basin assets, and like any junior, it's always been particularly difficult the last few years, been difficult in capital markets, but I suppose... That's what's unique now is that we've got an opportunity where there's a rich environment for risk capital finally at high commodity prices. Um, my early days in North Sea working for um, private equity consortiums saw, you know, those companies bought out tenfold for the, their original investment. So got quite a good grounding in value-adding assets and then corporately rolling them up into good opportunities. Right, and so what were you brought on board to do? What was the challenge um, set to you when you were having discussions about, you know, what the company wanted to do? Yeah, I think with Bounty, you know, there have been some discussions for quite some time um, about, you know, taking the company in a different direction, uh, particularly, you know, a lot of your followers would, would have noticed that in, particularly on the ASX, there's a, been a real um, lack of oil and gas juniors that have been active. So, we made a decision about a year ago that things were going to change and we needed to position ourselves at the right time. Uh, I'd been look, sort of uh, been advising a number of companies on, on new ventures and assets and acquisitions. So it was a perfect storm, really, where we saw a number of opportunities where majors weren't uh, aggressively exploring and developing Australian assets. Uh, we had uh, increasing oil price, we got reducing inventories, uh, perfect storm to sort of be parachuted in here and drive the company's new growth strategy. Okay, so obviously, so what's your message to, uh, you know, you've got some long-suffering shareholders in there too, right, um, who, you know, trying to weather, weather the storm with, with the company and everyone else in oil and gas. Um, obviously, prices are, are uh, on the up, um, looking, you know, quite attractive at the moment. So it, the time is right because why? There's a lot of sort of stranded, either financially stranded or otherwise stranded assets that you feel that you can you can pick up in terms of a first mover advantage scenario, um, or is it a case of 
just building a portfolio which someone else might find attractive. I'm, I'm trying to understand what, what, what what's the business plan that you guys are um, setting about to deliver? Uh, it's a bit of both. So, you know, we just uh, entered Project Service, for example, on the Northwest Shelf. Uh, that's an exploration project. We've seen a lot of companies in Australia leave or, you know, reduce their capex, um, you know, over a large period of time, the anti-fossil fuel movement, anti-fossil fuel movement. So we wanted to be an early mover there, um, getting a reasonably cheap entry. And that's sort of congruent with the fact we do have shareholders in here that have been a long time, but they very patient, supported a strategy to get not only stranded assets, but then value add them. And then as we build that story up, um, as market capitalization increases news flow as well, uh, we look to pick off a lot of stranded assets uh, left by even some of the majors. So it's a bit of a two-prong approach. Um, and also capitalising the fact we've got some production in our portfolio. We're looking to grow that those production opportunities, um, which increases our bottom line. So it's overall good mix of, you know, we do have revenue, we're aggressively exploring, and we're looking to leverage off, you know, the higher commodity prices, and the void left, I suppose, by not only the death of a lot of juniors, but a lot of the large companies uh, scaling back capex and and exiting Australia. Yes, yeah, so, so there's, there's a lot of debris around, right? And it's, and it's a case of you know who's going to be fit for purpose for you know benefiting from that, and and obviously the the, the shareholders of the of that company to benefit from that. But you're a small company, you've got a little bit of revenue, not a lot. Um, how does a company like you go about? Putting capital in place to pick up th- th- this debris, the, the, well, you know, ho- hopefully the right the right pieces, because this anti fossil fuel sentiment out there means that some of the big funds are stepping back. Um, money is hard to access, um, and it's a sort of you know, oh, it's a very green green environment. People are focused off looking at the new shiny object, which is you know, you know green stories, uh, battery stories. This is a very unloved sector still, despite the increasing price of of oil, the recovery of oil. So, how do you go about getting the money and putting the money in place and making sure it's you know cheap money, it's affordable money, and you're not kind of putting a, making a rough year and back further down the line. Well, I think what we're finding is that that traditional investor in this space, as you say, is changing, uh, particularly funds under management. But people tend to forget, um, you know, a lot of ESG projects can be single-digit returns and you are starting to see a, a bit of a change of tune around the boutique institutional investors I uh, see Norwegian sovereign wealth funds still investing in majors, although they're trying to argue they're going to support the ESG movement. Uh, so that money's out there, but to access that capital, you've got to be very smart about how you actually can develop the strategy of the company. And that, you know, predominantly is around a getting into a uh, you know a position in a decent project like Cerberus, where you've got uh, you know large independents like Vermilion and Jade Stone and Santos drilling around the acreage getting in at a reasonably cheap entry, um, making sure you've got plenty of news flow and one, and then basically assessing what acquisitions and what other projects you take on will be largely dependent on your capital structure and where you are in the capital market cycle at that time. So making sure that, you know, you're not, any money you do raise, you raise at a sensible price, you're cognizant of your capital structure and dilution of shareholders, all these things are important. 
So it's a very much a staged approach while in parallel looking at what those opportunities, what those opportunities are and picking them off at the right time. So there might be several of them and, and just developing that story on a longer term view, thinking that, you know, commodity price is probably going to be hanging here at $90 a barrel for at least two or three years. Now we've got some supply deficit issues and inventory is coming down. So, you know, those sorts of things, I think, make sense. I think investors understand that. We're not going to go and raise, you know, five, $10 million all at the same time right now at one cent. We need to build the market cap of the company. We need to engage with investors. We need to value add the project with the capital we raise. We've got to um, promote that story in the capital markets, all those sorts of things that, you know, that, that make sense, which juniors should be doing. They, they should be, and you know, no matter what, what sector they're in. But it, it kind of interests me this bit of the process because the, the financial engineering is the bit which makes or breaks the company initially, right? And then you also need to go and find some oil or gas, whatever it is that you're, you're hunting down, right? But the other things, the, the other bit of this is it's you're talking about offshore stuff. That's expensive, right? And a company of your size. Cash constrained in a way, it means that you, there's only certain types of project or certain size of project that you can, you can get after, right? So I'm interested in, interested in the construct of that. Do you partner out of the gate with a another company, a another strategic? Do you, you know, walk into a, a major and say, well, look, let us work with you on one of these smaller fields. Uh, we'll raise our portion here, in which case, you know, you get a small piece of something good because it's, it's, Offshore is expensive. It's, you know, you don't get many goes at it uh, before you run out of cash, okay? Um, but if it but if it hits, obviously, that, that's all good news. People are happy. But it's going to be a, probably a smaller field, um, and it'll take a while to, you know, monetize that or at least be recognized, this, for the success to be recognized before we can move on to the next smaller field, et cetera. It, it, this is a, a, a small, slow build-up story, yeah, or absolutely. it is right. Okay, I was, I was wondering. Or can you work out how you shortcut that process? Because it's it, it's it's tough, right? Yep, it's tough. And I think what you got to do is you have got to be very clever about how your uh, deal structure is and how you're going to be financially engineering things. So, for example, uh, you know we put an entry position here to earn twenty five percent with options to go up to fifty and seventy five percent by paying another whatever it is twenty twenty something million dollars. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to find that 20-something million dollars. We may have a, another party that comes in that we can assign to come into that particular joint venture. Um, there are other different models that can be used that a lot of uh, companies are typically not doing. Syndicated joint ventures, uh, being very clever around how you can get uh, other funding, uh, you know, all those sorts of things, not just we're going in here we're in uh, offshore, we're drilling, you know, 20, $30 million AUD for three wells. Well, I don't think that we're going in there with that mindset. We're trying to value out of the capital that we have, knowing that we're next to infrastructure, wells are reasonably cheap considering they're in shallow water. Um, you know, you've got big boys next to you. Uh, you know, we're valuating the capital that we have through, you know, through science and actually doing all that stuff that juniors should do. All the, all the ideas and the story which and all the hard work which the bigger companies don't do, and then we can introduce that investment. And it doesn't necessarily have to be through an ENP company. It can be done through several other ways. Uh, so that's why we structured these transactions the way we have. We don't, you know, although that capital's there, you don't want to be 
you should, you know, you don't want to be raising a whole bunch of money at one, two, three cents uh, and drilling three wells and all dry holes. You need to be thinking about how, you know, financial engineering, how to get the drilling done. Stock has a run. Then you may raise money at a much higher price. And then you get another project while you're drilling those wells. You've always got something going on and you're, you're using the capital markets to your advantage and, and driving your story. And, you know, so that's what it's all about is being not only very careful with the capital you have, but using it to actually engineer other transactions which value add um, shareholders. Right. So, so there's all the theory, right? What? How, how are you coming at it? Because you talked about onshore and offshore. Um, you're, are you doing anything on the onshore stuff or is that are you focus offshore? Yeah, the onshore stuff. So we've just got uh, an approved budget like on the Makawa block assets we have where Sandos is the operator. We've just approved the work program budget for this year. Uh, I think our share there of CapEx is about 400,000 AUD, but we're looking to make in excess of 2 million AUD in revenue. So, you know, these aren't substantial amounts of money at the bottom line, but they cover the overheads and we're using that as a platform to build out our other Queensland uh, production opportunities that not only we've got in the portfolio, but there might be some other stuff that comes in there. And, you know, we've already got some producing assets. Uh, can we debt finance against reserves in the ground to fund organically or potentially fund organically other production opportunities? So that that starts to um, appeal to particular investors that you've got uh, receipts which are in our 5B, which are, you know, roughly like 250000 or so a month. Um, but, like, what can we do with this? Well, I think we can build it out. We can get more cash flow. Um, that opens doors for other things. We've got things in our portfolio we may divest or monetize. So all these things are all part of the strategy right now to completely reinvigorate this company. It's about, you know, sustainable cash flow, covering our overheads, being smart with the capital we raise, uh, seeking out and being nimble in those opportunities uh, like, you know, a lot of uh, AIM and Aussie ASX juniors were doing 10 or 15 years ago. And there's, there's not many of us juniors left, particularly focused in Australia. I could probably count them on one hand. And I think you know, given we've got three and a bit million dollars capped at 12, not a lot of float on the stock, you know, um, we have a, we end up having a discovery of, you know, the 200 million barrel discovery got 25% of that. Uh, we're talking 10 or 100 bagger and not a lot of downside. So that's where we think now we should be going, given that there is risk appetite, given that there's selective capital, I'll say. Uh, given the likes of BlackRock and all that, we know that that capital is not as accessible as it once was. Uh, and really having it, you know, rolling the dice in a very clever way strategically, not blowing the company's capital on one program. And um, we use that as a catalyst to drive the rest of the story. Okay. So the, the onshore stuff is creating a return for you, which covers the GNA, right? Yep. It's Great. it's small, but it's enough to cover the GNA, which allows you to yep. make plans elsewhere. So let's move it from the kind of the theoretical, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, the theory of how you go about putting it together to what you're actually doing. So I want to I want to understand what it looks like today, and then yep. what you're actually going to focus on to drive this this growth, right? So in t in terms of um, other revenues or near term revenues, what are you focused on? So there's two parts. There's the near-term revenue side of things. So there's the Sanos operating of Carlo asset I just talked about where, you know, we'll get some increase in bottom line revenue this calendar year. And we've got the Alton Oilfield in the portfolio, which 
you know, we could probably bring online 100 to 200 barrels a day. That's that's one opportunity. The Rough Range oil field in Western Australia, we're currently looking at what we can do there. That was actually Australia's first onshore, I think it was Australia's first oil discovery, uh, flowed at 3,000 barrels a day. So we're looking at what we can do with those things in terms of our production revenue. And then in parallel, we've got, you know, the blue sky. So that's Cerberus. Uh, that's where we've, we've entered into a transaction with Coastal Oil and Gas. That's a private company that's backed by industry veterans and spearheaded by Ted Jacobson, who is the founder and uh, director of Tap Oil and Carnarvon. And we've brought his assets and his, his knowledge and his expertise and his people uh, along with Bounty. You know, and we're looking at drilling you know, three wells Q4 this year quite aggressively. So with this, at the moment, we've got two jackups in Australia. Uh, one will be either with Sandos or an independent. And so we're aggressively lodging all of our permitting and stuff with a view that we think we'll get the funding by then. And not necessarily through the capital structure or other, you know, maybe by other means. Um, that's that's kind of where we are. It's a simple story. We're looking at production growth, blue sky, big drilling targets, shallow water, uh, not overly expensive, and de-risking it by bringing in other partners or other consortia. Okay. And... Again, as I said, that's going a little bit to you know what what could be. So just just on the on to, on today, uh, what you think you're going to be able to do this year in terms of revenue generation based on projects you are either doing in conversation about doing this year with partners where you're actually actually having conversations or there are bits of paper that said this will be happening. What 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 are your shareholders looking forward to this year? Well, I think onshore we're. I think we've already lodged some uh, some of our permitting around the old oil field. There's some other things we're looking at there. So looking second half of this year. So looking to bring some production on there. So that's one thing we're actively planning to do. What we're also actively planning and actually implementing now is we've got a project office here in Perth. That's, uh, you know, with myself and the coastal people we've engaged. We've got a drilling manager now. We've got logistics uh, we've got GNG. We are probably in the midst of issuing a request for proposal for uh, what jack up drilling contracts and what what's available. So they're they're things we're actually doing. We're planning on drilling. We're actually lodging everything to actually drill. We're not sitting here, um, you know, preserving capital, trying to say it's a dream. We're actually spending this money, and that will be very clear in the next quarterly and uh, and in the interim financials at the end of February. That money, that capital we raised is actually being deployed in that project. And, you know, by February, early March, uh, you know, we're sort of hoping to have those, you know, much like uh, North Sea as well, you know, there are, these permitting processes do take some time, you know, up to 12 months. So we're now February, we're looking at drilling in this, you know, November, December. So we are looking at this timeline, we are engaged in you know, talking to the other operators, the major operators, ENI, Sandos, we're talking to all of them about what's happening with the rig market, where, you know, where we could potentially get a slot. So they're the things we're actively doing. We're actually deploying money into actually, you know, getting on with this project with a view that we think the money's there in one shape, one way or another. And so unless you actually do that, you won't attract the rest of the capital. Companies and uh, boutique funds or syndicates or whatever you want to call them, they want to see that you've, a, you've got, you can get a rig contract, you've got your permitting done, and it's at that point they'll give you the money. It's not before then. So that's the way we're driving it. We've got 
um, a lot of activity going on, which I think is going to come out in, in, in the market, I think, a lot in the next two months about what we're actually doing. So we're actually doing things. We are transitioning the company. It's, it's the, the management's um, been there a long time. So there's a lot of exciting corporate things happening. There's a lot of things happening with the projects, uh, you know, new projects, existing projects, uh, and depending on, of course, like we discussed, what happens down the road, you know, whether we have other acquisitions and things like that. So we're pretty busy. And I think that's a healthy space for us to be in. And do you find this nimbleness and this agility, um, which you, you you talk about, is clearly that's a necessary part of you know how a small company needs to operate and 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 do it effectively and efficiently uh, as well. Has the market been destroyed? Helped you? I, a lot a lot of companies have fallen by the wayside, and you say there's like a handful of you guys in in the ASX. Has that helped you with these conversations with these majors who perhaps before would have been not so interested? Uh, it's an interesting question. I think it's it's things have got difficult in the sense that uh, producing fields and uh, you know legacy assets, trying to prize those from Larger companies is very difficult because of the, you know, the, the green issues and remediate remediation issues. But I've seen it, seeing it firsthand now. We're actually seeing, you know, like some of the majors actually engaging with juniors in farm farm out and farm in, or more so, wanting juniors to come and farm into their project. So I think it's quite an interesting dynamic at the moment. I think that. A lot of these companies have got projects uh, that probably, you know, got a lot of uh, activism on their register to go solar, wind and renewables. They've got commitments on uh, legacy assets that they don't want to necessarily spend the capital on. And that's opening some doors now, particularly when there's not a lot of us around. And particularly if you've been able to survive and you've got an adequate network, you know, things are going to fall out of the tree here. And I think fairly... You know, we are at $90 oil. People say we're buying them at the top of the market, but, you know, who are the buyers? So I think that, you know, it's genuinely what's happening down here. Um, we haven't seen the private equity investment bank type transactions happening in Australia. I thought it might have happened by now. Um, and that's probably added a different dynamic too. I think, you know, we're going to start to see some redeployment of capital back into Australia. I think the the US independents will come back in. They always do. They come in waves, and it's a perfect time for that to happen. EOGs here now in Australia that they're a recent entrant. So I think we're going to see the tide start to turn. We're going to see uh, smaller companies able to transact with larger companies. We're going to see larger independents come back into Australia. Um, so it's a really good combination in that respect. If you're focused like we are we are focused we're not in africa we're not in europe we're in australia um low sovereign risk it's a lot of transparency in what we do uh the people have all got a track record ted jakes and you know everyone know, pretty much knows who he is with the tap oil carnarvon success philip kelso the ceo was the md of drill search was bought out by beach uh myself have been involved in juniors so it's about the people as well and that's important so I think it's a, a bit of a perfect storm in a lot of ways to, to have an aggressive growth strategy. And like you say, be nimble. And, and that's what you should be doing as a junior. You should be able to move fast. You should be looking at lots of opportunities all the time. You should be moving projects forward. Uh, don't be too binary. You know, diversify your risk. Get things funded, move to the next project. 
keep that momentum going because we've waited six or seven years here just trying to survive. And now we've got a bit of a window to really uh, capitalise on that for shareholders, which is the, the number one thing we should be doing. And do you think that... Um Obviously, being a public company, you're in in the spotlight. You, we're seeing a lot of uh, you know NGOs and 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 uh, and the like ra- railing against fossil fuels. Um, has it has it affected buying, or has it just been a, a factor of the oil price being depressed for such a long time? What what, what are you seeing in, in terms of sentiment and, and mood for oil and gas companies? It's a really interesting question because, on one hand, to be able to do things with regulators and larger companies, it helps you public. Being public exposes you to NGOs and activism. So, uh, but being private, it's a lot harder to transact. So, it, I think I think what you got to do, and this is what my view is, is you've just got to go. We're an oil company. This is what we're doing. We want hundred to a thousand percent return on capital for our investors. We've got people that have done it here before. If you don't want to invest, go invest in something else um, and show some leadership and some backbone and don't steer away from being an oil company. I mean, at the end of the day, we've still got 100 million barrels a day demand here. We've got a supply deficit issue. Prices at the bows are getting hit. Electric cars are being built. Half electric cars come from petrochemical products. I think people forget that. Uh, bulk commodities need diesel. So the industry is here to stay, and if it's going to stay, well, and you want to make lots of money, I think it's a terrific sector to be involved in right now, particularly in this end where uh, you can get significant leverage. You can get 10, uh, 10 times, 100 times on your investment if the story's right, and you pick the right stocks that don't have a lot of downside, like Bounty, for example. Uh, there's not a lot of us out there, and um, you know, I think you just got to be bold and just, just put your position out there. Don't try and be something you're not and don't try and invest in things that you don't have the expertise to do. 